definitely human. Hey guys, welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode six. It is winter, and today I'm planting the wind guard in the vineyard. It rhymes. Okay, so we've got 100 trees to plant, 50 Italian alders, and 50 Canadian poplar trees. The difference being one, I think, is quite like bushy and leafy, and one is quite sticky. (laughs) I'm not quite sure, but they'll turn a beautiful shade of orange in the wintertime and they'll just be really pretty to like go alongside the vineyard as well as hiding the sort of farm sheds on the south side and we're planting them about one and a half meters in between each other to kind of stop the buffeting of the wind coming straight off the Atlantic Ocean onto the vines and it is minus six and it has just started snowing it is not the best kind of day to be doing this right on top of the hill with nothing separating us from the sort of harsh wind, but super excited to get started on our first kind of farm project. Oh, it's cold. It's quite perishing. It's a northeasterly wind, which is quite unusual for here. Usually it's a westerly wind, which is the whole point is why we're planting these trees on the western border. Um, but yeah, the wind's coming from the other side today. The trees that we are planting are literally just sticks, like one meter sticks in the ground, so nothing to protect us just yet anyway. So being on top of the hill, um, a lot of the drains get blocked up around the winter time because there are natural springs that crop up everywhere. And at the bottom of the hill, it's just mud and block drains and like a giant lake of water that kind of forms. So the sound you can hear in the background now is the council coming to sort of attempt to unsilt the drains by gouging out <laughs> um, gouging out the hedges and taking away any of the sort of loose dirt that might fall down and block up the drains at a later time. So unfortunately, we've got that din in the background, but that's just me explaining what's going on there. They've been going up and down all morning. Uh, so yes, yeah, so there's the four of us out today. Nigel, David, Mum, myself. Uh, Nigel's going on with the digger, taking off a top layer of the grass. We're putting the stalk into the hole and then pushing with a spade the ground in over the top and then nicely kind of plonking the grass back on top, making it all nice and snug. So it's still wider. It's longer... F- on that hedge than it is on that one. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, that's a straight hedge there. They'll start there because yeah. it's a straight hedge, I suppose. You can see it on the you see, I always think of this field as square. <laughs> Everybody says that. If you yeah. get in the field and plough it, you'll yeah. know it's yeah. not square. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of short work over that end if you plough them up and down. And short yeah. work down this way if you plough them by the top hedge. If they're going to plant it down to that line, we need to be three metres that side of it, don't we? Yeah. So we ought to have our trees a bit yeah. further away so that the wind... Yeah, goes over. Well, I think these trees just take the ferocity out of the wind, so yes, the wind hopefully goes through the trees, not over the top. <laughs> yeah. How quickly yeah. do they grow? <laughs> a foot a year. Not quick enough. Right. 
Okay, so we've planted 100 trees in the field. They're now in the ground. Um, and even though vines are self-pollinating, the reason why we're planting this hedge line is to stop the vicious winds that usually come around springtime just completely knocking the blossoms off of the vines. Therefore, we wouldn't have any fruit. Um, so it's really important that they survive that stage. The trees, as I mentioned, are poplar trees and older. Canadian poplar and Italian older. So the poplar trees are really tall and thin and then the older trees are really wide and bushy. So one poplar, one older, one poplar, one older going all up the field. So it should look super pretty, um, especially come autumn because the trees turn orange and it's going to be really, really nice and beautiful in the vineyard. Um, obstacles that we had to watch out for today. Our neighbour's water pipe is dangerously uh, close to the surface of the ground um, in one corner of the field. So we had to avoid that with extreme caution because if we were to stick, I don't know, the tractor through that or something, it would have been a huge bill on our part. So we managed to avoid knocking into that. Um, we also discovered some kind of platform underneath the ground. We're not really sure um, what it could be. Neither Nigel or mum knew it was there before some ancient forgotten relic maybe, some kind of monolith. <laughs> Most likely it's just some old stable floor. <laughs> Ooh, it's really snowing now, it's coming in sideways. The beast from the east too. Ooh, don't. <laughs> Quite pretty though. Do you want to nip down and get some more gloves? No, no, it's okay. I've gone this far, it's alright. Well, they're proper gardening gloves, aren't they? They're more like, they're not warm. These are cashmere lined, darling. Oh my God. <laughs> So there we are, phase one of the vineyard is complete. The next thing that we're doing is subsoiling and plowing, which is a few weeks away. So I need a new big project to start and I've got some ideas of what I could do. Um, but for now, I think it's probably time that I got reacquainted with the farm and the fields and the woods and the farmhouse and some of the residents. There's one special lady who's lived on this farm for many years and she's especially important to Nigel. I'm on my way to meet them both now. <laughs> I have a sitting with her royal meow justy, Puds the Third. <laughs> Hi Nigel, all right? So I wanted to talk to you about the cat. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, it's funny because I remember like being a kid, we had um, Pudding, which was our cat. The black one, yeah. I yeah, and that was a cat that was a stray sort of thrown away as a kitten in the farmyard. And I think it's kind of funny that over the years we have had kittens and stuff dumped on the farm. I mean, it's not funny, but you know, I just, no, it's, it's weird, isn't it? There's always been a cat here, hasn't there, really? Yeah. Because after Pudding, we had the black and white tabby one. Can you yes, I do. Yeah, and, um, and then Madam turned up there, didn't she? So, <laughs> yeah. And been here ever since. But I mean, I, I think that was about 2008 she came here. Right. You know, she was there one day in the yard on, on the straw bales there. And I, I said to your father, and I said, we've, we've gamed a cat. Well, not another one. 
And um, she's been there ever since. But she used to go between both farms. You oh, know. really? Yeah, she was. Yeah, every very yeah. often see her walking along the top road. Oh, my God. But she was very, very wild. Yeah. Very wild. I mean, I've gone home with my hands scratched. You know, <laughs> like, cut the ribbons they were. Scratch me, claw me, bite me. Well, you've managed to sort of befriend her, but, I mean, she tolerates me being maybe a few metres away, but I don't think she wouldn't let me pick her up or anything wouldn't like she? that. Wouldn't she? No, I don't think I so. I think she's more of a man-cat, to be honest. Oh, really? I, I think so, yeah, because Kate's not that... She can't, she can't get very close there. I think Mum said the same. She's OK with picking up the basket, but yeah. not with actually cuddling or... Yeah, she, yeah she lets me... I could do anything with her. Aww. She's absolutely fantastic. But, you know, I think she was... Um, she's, she's coming out of the she, van now, yeah. She's oh, like, what she is going on? She's being talked about. I think she was uh, treated badly by children. But um, she's a fantastic cat. Good mouser, good for rabbits. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, She's old now, but, you know, she she still catches mice. She's a good friend of mine now. Really good friend. How did you manage to um, sort of woo her? Because obviously now she sits in the cabin, she's got your coat there for, like, warmth and, you know... (laughs) I think how it started, I, I remember being over with the other the farm uh, back there and I was just chucking out some of my crusts or whatever off my bread and some meat out of my sandwich or whatever. And she gradually, day by day, week by week, she'd get nearer and nearer to me sort of thing. like. And then I started to bring her treats, didn't I? A tin of food or something like that. And very slowly, slowly, that's how we did it. Oh. And then I used to feed her on the bale trailer. But, crikey, I couldn't get within 20 foot of her. I'd have to walk away. She'd jump on the trailer. If I walked to that trailer, she'd be gone. Wow. Yeah, but we got there, like, week by week. And now you sit and actually have your lunch with yeah, her. Yeah, we in do. The we have lunch together in the gator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite strange, I know. But It's funny. I don't know why. Is it that the cat escaped here and got away? Or is it that she was dumped, maybe? Yeah, I think she, well, she was obviously dumped here. And their instinct is to hunt anyway, isn't it? I mean, she had the perfect ground over there with the bales, with the rats and yeah. the mice and everything. You know, she was self-sufficient over there. We um, don't have any bales or anything now. So no, it's we good don't. you've stepped in. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> I don't see her over the other end now. She hasn't been over there for years. She gets she gets looked after better here because I start my day here, so she knows I'm here. And yeah. She's here every morning. She's sat in the gate waiting for me anyway. <laughs> And gets fed. So she sort of sleeps in the cabin. Do you leave the door open for her so she can come? Yeah, leave the, leave the driver's side door open, put her back bed in on the seat and put my old coat on the back of the seat because she started to scratch that and claw that. Oh, that's that's that why that is. one's there, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been sort of sneaking in trying to take photos of her for the Instagram and stuff and she sort of just looks at me. She isn't quite sure. She is very friendly. Once you've got her trust, she's okay. Sort yeah. of thing, like, you know. I think I've only moved back. She doesn't know me. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. But, I mean, Kate can stroke her, but I don't know that she'd be able to pick her up. Yeah, but mum can stroke her as well. And, you know, mum gets here every morning, says hello to the cat before me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's been loving the sunshine. Every time I walk through the yard, she's on the bales. She's yeah, she's not silly. She, she goes where the sun is in the morning when the early morning sun comes up. Drinks out of the water trough over there. Oh, you, really? Yeah, doesn't she, fall in or anything? No, she doesn't. Uh, these giant cow troughs. Yeah. Oh, she's a hard cat. You know, she's yeah. had some hard winters, but she she survives it. You know, you come in the morning, oh, she's curled up in that bed. She's just a bundle of warmth. If you go to pick her up, she's just warm. She's not cold or anything. You know, she's you're a hardy cat. Hardy cat. Hardy <laughs> lady. Yeah, she is, yeah. <laughs> she sat watching us from the other end of the farmyard. <laughs> yeah. So I know that was a heartwarming story, guys, but PSA, please do not leave your unwanted kittens on farms. We've had cats on the farm all my life um, that have been dumped from when they were kittens. 
and they've had to learn how to survive. And it's an extremely hard life. We have predators here that would happily eat a kitten. We have foxes, we have badgers. And I know what you're thinking, like a badger wouldn't eat a kitten, but they eat hedgehogs. So why wouldn't they eat a kitten? The reason why we call the cats pudding is simply because it's a way of sort of getting the cat to warm to us. So we go like put, put, put and like put a little bit of food out. So Puds the third is who we just met. We obviously had Puds the second and Pud the first before that. The first was my cat growing up when I was a kid. We found him on the farm as a kitten and we actually brought him home and brought him up within the house. But he was still pretty wild. So anyway, moving on. I want to start a farm shop. Now, I know what you're thinking, but it's not as ridiculous as it sounds. My friend Josh in Dorset has just done this at his farm with an old farm building that he's converted to be a local shop that sells dairy, cheese, eggs. It's even turned into a bit of an art gallery for local artists. I would love to do a farm shop here one day. It's obviously a long way off. I think it's a little bit of a pipe dream still, but it would be so amazing to be able to sell maybe fruit and veg that I've grown in the garden. We could sell wine from the vineyard. I could also have the Charlie May collection. How amazing would that be having like farmers driving around in their tractors wearing Charlie May? (laughs) It's obviously a long way off. It's not going to happen anytime soon, but it's definitely something that I think we should do and we could do. Hi, Josh. Stranger. <laughs> Strangers. She's busy down in Devon. Oh my god, you're busy up in London. Everything looks amazing. You were talking about how you know you wish you could move back to the countryside and stuff, but actually you've moved more into central London than <laughs> even before. <laughs> the irony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it's crazy. Like, what have I done? But I think it's just because, like, the direction the business has taken, everything. This will just offer a much more cohesive way of life for me, and it's going to be busy and stressful. So I think eliminating the travel element will really help. Yeah. For me anyway. Being able to walk to work um, and everything. How's York? Have you spoken to him? Um. Yeah, we spoke the other night. It's such a bummer because I was really hoping, you know, from January that I'd be back once a month, and it's just impossible. How was Dorset and like the shop? and everything that you set up how's that going yeah good actually it's become um a real little like hub in the community which is really sweet it's surprisingly been a hit with everyone in the village i don't know because ashmore never had anything before mm. literally not even a pub not even a little sh- nothing so it's really nice yeah it's really cute it's say people it's are just really dying cute. for newness right now as well like anything new everybody's all over it but also they should be supporting local this is the thing why are we driving like 10 miles to our supermarket there's 100 people in the village or 100 houses you know everyone driving just to get a pint of milk so many people, I think, and you must agree down in Devon on this, talk about doing the good deed and changing and having better ethics in life. But how many actually like implement it and support it when it gets going? You've got to make an effort, a conscious effort. Yeah. Okay. So my next project is going to be a veg garden. I mean, it runs in my blood, right? It's like farming on a mini scale. Plus, I spent most of lockdown in London playing Stardew Valley, so I've had a lot of practice. (laughs) We're in the garden right now. I'm walking David through the walled garden that I'm going to transform into a food mecca. Yeah, it's um, at the moment it's just lots of mud, I guess. (laughs) But... Come summertime, it's going to be full. I'm thinking in this corner, we have like 
root veg and we've got your carrots we've got the butternut squash we're going to like grow them up against the wall and then over here we're going to have sort of more berries we've got raspberry bushes in we're going to have strawberries we've got the tabri then we've got the greenhouse that we're going to have lots of cucumbers and tomatoes and then we're going to have the herb garden and the cut salad garden right okay and what's the beeping (laughs) um so the beeping you can hear in the background we just had a kind of very ferocious storm and gale force winds and the roof of the uh farm sheds completely ripped off the corrugated iron roof completely bent back and ripped off so they're replacing that right now see i feel like this isn't the sort of thing that ever happened to us in the city why is weather suddenly a thing and it was never a thing before because we were protected in the concrete jungle now it's just us and the elements <laughs> yeah this is quite a big garden isn't it considering we didn't have one in uh, london this used to be a farm shed i think there's gravel pathways and then there's kind of big squares of mud and there's built up flower beds and the walls are um how they're about my height i make sure they're about six foot yeah they're about six foot high walls surrounding uh three sides of the garden and then there's the cobbled yard on the other side looking out into the studio and the farmyard quite um sort of higgledy piggledy yeah, so the walls of the garden are made of a mix of like old cob, which is a very traditional sort of farmhousey, a mixture of like animal hair and stones and uh, plaster. And animal hairs. Yeah, so that's the kind of traditional way of doing the outside of farmhouses here. Uh, is yeah, mixtures of just stuff that they found. <laughs> so, okay. so it's quite strange. But I think, I mean, some parts look prettier than others. But I think if we can grow sort of plants that the bees love, um, nice sort of like flowering bushes for the bees, and then obviously have uh, like crawlers and stuff like um, like the butternut squash. So this is your next big project, is it? I mean, yeah, it's going to be a huge project. It's going to take up a lot of my time. Yeah, I've just been sat on my butt for a year in London, so I'm really excited to get stuck into a project. I mean, clearly I'm excited about getting stuck into a lot of big projects. That Am I being a bit foolish, do you think? Do you think I've taken on too much? Um... Well, far be it from me to put words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure David was about to say, No, Charlie, I don't think you've taken on too much. You can achieve anything you set your mind to. We'll be eating homegrown veg before we know it. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast and on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod. Music is by John Day. Artwork is by Eric Chow. And this episode was edited by The David Knight. Thank you. And thank you for listening. And if you're supporting us on Patreon, stay tuned for our after show series, Hashtag Farm Life. This week, we talk about our scraggly childhood pets. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.